0: great week this week and a great Monday today. I am so glad you're with me. I want to talk to you about something so important. What it means to be in Christ Jesus. I, Brother Lord, will give you this tremendous revelation that I think can really help you understand who you are. In Christ Jesus. What does it mean to be in Christ Jesus? Jesus, Lord, I pray with all my heart today, that you will make this so simple, so powerful, so life-changing in all of our lives. To you belongs the glory, all the honor, all the praise. Wonderful Jesus. Oh, blessed Lord, we give you the praise. God's people said amen, and thank you again for being my wonderful partner and family. Let's go to John 17, the Gospel of John, chapter 17. I'm going to read, begin reading at verse 21, so I want you to follow with me. That they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us in us we need to pay attention to to those words that they may be one in us that the world may believe that thou hast sent me and the glory which thou gavest me i have given them that they may be one even as we are one now verse 23 is powerful i in them thou in me that they may be made perfect in one the world may know that thou hast sent me and has loved them as thou hast loved me. Oh blessed Holy Spirit, help us understand this magnificent, life-changing truth. Now, in First Corinthians six seventeen, it says, He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. So when you talk about one spirit. What does it really mean? Like, for example, in Galatians, let's go to Galatians chapter five, and let's look at verse 16. And we've read that, we have, we've all read that. Well, it says, this I say then, walk in the spirit, ye shall not fulfill the loss of the flesh. Well, what does it mean to walk in the spirit? What is it to be in Christ? Now, the Holy Spirit is the one whose power brings us into the covenant that God has made with us. Without the Holy Spirit, there really is no Christianity, there's no covenant, there's no salvation. It's the Holy Spirit who brings us into Christ. But to be in Christ really means that he walks into our history And we walk into his history where our life becomes his life and now his life becomes our life. The Lord Jesus walked into our history when he died on the cross. When he took upon him all our sin, all our shame, all our bondage, all our past, He took everything that we've ever experienced, became his experience. Now, he became flesh, as we are, sinless. We were sinners, still are sinners saved by grace. But he walked into our history. And now he is baptized in the Jordan River, identifying with sinners yet still sinless. The Lord did not cease to be God when he became a man. He did not cease to be God when he died on the cross. He did not cease to be God when he cried, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Even though the Holy Spirit left him on the cross, he did not cease to be God. Because he went into the underworld as the man, Christ Jesus, still God in the flesh. He destroyed the power of Satan. He spoiled principalities and powers, destroying them completely. He arose from the dead by his own power because he said, I will lay my life down and I will take it back. So Jesus, the son of God, God Almighty in the flesh, that's what it means by the Son of God, God in the flesh. When he rose from the dead, we walked into his history. So think about this. He walks into our history by becoming flesh, dying on the cross, taking our sin, our shame, our darkness, our death. Now he destroys sin, he destroys death and the grave, He's raised from the dead by his own power. And that day when he walked into the upper room and he breathed on them in John 20 and said, receive the Holy Ghost, and they were born again. At that moment, they walked into his history. Therefore, his accomplishments become our accomplishments. That's what it means to walk in the spirit. To walk in the Spirit means to walk in union with the Lord completely as one. He that is joined to the Lord is one Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6 17. We are to walk in the Spirit means union with the Lord. Union with the Lord. And every time we pray, that union manifests, His presence manifests. When we partake communion, that union manifests again. Now, because see, when we're walking in this world, we're not always aware of that union, even though it's reality in the spirit, because our spirit is complete in him. But when we have fellowship with him, when we worship him, when especially when we have communion with the Lord, our union manifests with him where its presence takes over our mind, takes over our bodies, takes over our lives. Peace fills our soul. Great peace overwhelms us. Happened to me this morning. And so when that happens, that union becomes manifest, yet it's always there. When we are quiet in the presence of God receiving His Word, God begins to literally manifest His oneness, transforming us as His Word penetrates our soul. So we are changed into His image from glory to to glory. And what that means, basically, is what has happened in our spirit begins to manifest in, in our soul, then in our body. So... I want to just begin to talk about this beautiful life we have in Christ. So let's go to Ezekiel. Ezekiel 36. In Ezekiel 36, God says in verse 24 to Israel, which becomes our experience, and the Lord He says, And I will take you from among the heathen. Well, you and I came out of the world. Well, that's also us. Gathered and, and will gather you out of all countries. Well, the church is from all countries, will bring you into your own land, meaning the land in the spirit. In Israel's case, it was the, the actual holy land of promise. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you. That's the presence of the Holy Spirit. You shall be clean. Now I'm talking about our experience. Now the Jewish people will experience that one day in reality, in the flesh, where all Jews will be in the Holy Land, and then they will accept Jesus as Messiah and and experience all these blessed promises that are given here. But now I'm talking about what God did with you and I. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you. ye shall be clean from all your filthiness, meaning our sins, From all your idols, meaning the demons that oppressed us before our salvation, will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you. And a new spirit will I put within you. I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. I will give you a heart of flesh. Now this is a powerful promise because because the prophet Jeremiah said, he said, the heart is desperately wicked. But which heart was he talking about? He was talking about the heart of the fallen nature. The heart of the fallen nature was revealed in Adam when after he sinned and fell into sin and God came looking for Adam and said, where are you? Now God did not mean where are you physically, he could see him. He was saying, where where are you in the relationship with me? And not one time did Adam say, I'm sorry. There was no repentance there was no, forgive me, Lord, deliver me from this. Instead, he blamed God for giving him his wife. He said, it's your fault. When the Lord asked Eve, who at that time was killed, was still called Adam, according to Genesis 5, she said, it's the devil. Now, the heart of man is wicked to the core. And I'm talking about the heart of fallen man. I'm going to ask you a question. How many people 2,000 years ago saw the Lord Jesus rise from the dead? No one. They saw him after he rose from the dead. How many saw him ascend to heaven? The apostles and disciples. Not, Not a very large crowd. Just a few hundred people. All right. So they believed because he appeared to them. And he said, I'm not. A spirit, as as you see, I'm flesh and bone, so you can come touch me. So they could see that he rose physically from the dead in a glorified body. Now, during the Great Tribulation, the whole world will see two men raised from the dead. Two men. Elijah, Enoch, that's what I believe. It could be Moses, I just don't believe. That it'll be Moses, because then Moses will have to die twice. And the Bible says it's appointed unto man to die once. So, whether it's Moses or Enoch, we'll, we'll find out. But still, two men will rise from the dead after Antichrist kills them. Not only will they be raised from, from the dead, they will ascend to heaven and the whole world will see them. Nobody saw the Lord when he was raised from the dead. The whole world will see Elijah and Enoch, rise from the dead, yet not one heart will be changed. Why? Because the heart of man is wicked. And think about what I'm telling you. I was teaching a few days ago on the millennium reign of Christ, and I said, you know, the thousand years, according to First Corinthians 15, will be that the Lord will reign to bring rebellion down on the earth to subdue all rebellion. And then he will hand the kingdom to the Father, when the thousand year reign is complete. But during that whole thousand years, humanity will live under perfect conditions. No devil to blame, no demons running around, they'll all be bound. No sickness, no disease. Everyone will enjoy most, the most blessed life you can even imagine, just like Adam did in the garden. Yet after a thousand years of blessedness, they will still rebel against God when Satan is loose from the pit. So to show you, the heart of man, like Jeremiah said, is desperately wicked. And before you and I were saved, that's the heart we had. But God promised, a new heart also will I give you. A new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. I will give you a heart of flesh. That's what happened to you and I when we were born again. Then he said, I will put my spirit within you and I will cause you. I will cause you. You don't have to even try. I will cause you. All we have to do is surrender. Look, the Christian life doesn't say try. The Christian life doesn't say try harder. It says yield. The word in Christianity is not try now, try to live the life or try harder if you're not making it. No, it's yield your members as instruments of righteousness. Yield your life. That's what Jesus said. Just abide in the vine, that's all. Let let the Lord do the work in and through you. Let him live the life of Christianity through you. Let him live his life through you. So it's not about you trying it. It's let the Lord live through you. That is so simple, isn't it? surrender to him, and the Holy Spirit will live that life through you, quite simple. Because he said, I will cause you to walk in my statutes. You will keep my judgments and do them. Now this is incredible, because here you see that we begin to fulfill the law that we could not fulfill had we tried. Over 600 commandments in the Old Covenant, nobody, not one human being ever was able to obey all the commandments. Because if you break one, you break them all. The Lord comes, he fulfills the law, he lives in us and fulfills the law through us if we just simply surrender. Now let's go to Jeremiah 31. And that's what it means in Christ. In Christ means you are completely surrendered to the Lord. Not only he in you, you in him. And there is transformation there. So Jeremiah 31, 31 also says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant I made with the fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was a husband unto them, says the Lord but this shall be the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts. Isn't that beautiful? I will put my law in their inward parts, means Jesus is living through you, and write it in their own hearts by the Holy Spirit. And I will be their God, they shall be my people, and they, and I love this, and they shall teach no more every man his neighbor, and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, do you know the Lord? They shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. So now, the heart in Scripture, in Proverbs 4.23, the heart is the very source the very spring of life, it's the spirit of man. And so it says, keep thy heart with all diligence. This is Proverbs 4.23. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues or the outgoings. That's what the word issues mean, outgoings, going forth of life. The outgoings, the going forth of life. So the law, Uh, would no longer be a list of exterior commands, but the law would arise from within. So it's no longer, this is what you must do. Instead, this is what I want to do. So God says, okay, it's no longer, this is what you must do. It's surrender to what I want do through you. So the Holy Spirit now becomes the driving force. The Holy Spirit gives us the ability to live such a life. I remember David Duplessis years ago, And mighty man of God. God used him mightily. He, they actually called him Mr. Pentecost. You can look him up amazing man of God, he, he wrote a book called The Spirit Bade Me Go, and that dear man just shook the world for God, and I, I I met him one day in Brockville, Ontario, I was speaking in Canada at a conference, and he was also one of the speakers, I was so honored to have met him, and, and the lady who ran the conference named Marty Phillips, who worked with Catherine and said, can you walk with him to his room in the hotel, so, with pleasure, I was so honored. I was in my 20s and here's this man that God had used to just touch millions around the world. And I, I, as I'm walking with him, I said, and I called him Mr. Pentecost because that's what they all called him. I said, Mr. Pentecost, how can I please God? And that dear man stopped. He had a briefcase in his hand and he put it down on the floor and he put his finger in my chest. He had a short, thick finger. He was a farmer back when he was young. He, he pushed me to the wall, a the man from South Africa, he pushed me to the wall, he said, it's not your ability, it's his ability in you, good night, and went on, and here I am still at the wall, as the man goes to his room wondering what he said, but I remember those words, I understand today what he said, it's not your ability, how can I please God, it's not your ability, it's his ability in you, good night, goes on. Boy, it took me years to learn that. Because I've always wanted to try and try harder, you know. But I came to the conclusion every time I tried, I failed. And then you just give up trying. And you learn how to surrender to the Lord. And you begin living in the Spirit. Where the Lord lives his life through you. And what is so amazing, in Romans 5.5, 5, we have this beautiful uh, revelation about the Holy Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit who gives us the love of God. It says, and hope make it not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. You know, I can't love my enemies even if I tried. Neither can you. The Bible says, love your enemies. I've tried. You've tried. We got all upset when they say something nasty about us. You can only love them by the strength of the Holy Spirit within you. The presence of the Lord is what changes the hearts of men. So, in the Old Covenant, it says, love your neighbor as yourself. The New says, love your enemies. Think about the difference. The law says, the law says, love your neighbor like yourself. But the new covenant says, love your enemies, Do good to them that despise you, that hate you, that speak against you. Now in the old covenant, it was totally the opposite. Just love the Lord, love your neighbor, that's it. In the New Testament, love your enemies Well, that's even tougher than the the Old Covenant. I can easily love my neighbor, but love my enemies? Oh, I need God to help me there. And that's why we surrender. So think about what I'm saying to you. There are many, many more commandments in the New Testament than the Old. People don't know that. 613 commandments in the Old Covenant. There's many more in the New. Well, how can I obey them all? I'm telling you, surrender to the Holy Spirit. He lives his life through you. And Jesus manifests himself through you. And literally, you begin to love your enemies when it's not possible to love your enemies. So, let's go to John 13 quickly. Then I'm going to continue all this tomorrow because I know... This is real Christianity. If we want to live the real Christian life, we have to to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill. You know, that's what it says, walk in the Spirit. You'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You'll not fulfill what the world wants wants you to do. So the Lord says in John 13, 34, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Now, wait a minute. Can we really love our brothers and sisters as the Lord loved us? that you also love one another by this shall all men know you are my disciples if you love one another now the hard thing is as i have loved you how did you know how did jesus love us he left heaven became a man lived a Holy life, simple life, identified with us sinners, died on the cross, took upon him our sin, our death, our darkness. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. And he loved us unto the end, it says. He gave his life by giving, he gave his life when he gave his love. And he gave his love when he gave his life. Can we love like that? Can we love our enemies? Now think about this. Can we love our enemies if they were throwing rocks at us, like Stephen, and look up and say, Lord, don't hold this against them. Don't hold this against them. Forgive them, even though they're killing us now. Can we we love our enemies like Paul who said, take me out of the book of life but save them? I'm not there yet. (laughs) I don't think you are either. I'm not there yet. But that's the work God will do in us. Day by day, from glory to glory, as we surrender to him, we begin to live the Christian life as it should be lived. Love your enemies is a very tough thing without the Holy Spirit. Because we just want to go get them, you know, when they, when they attack us. No, let God do it. How precious of the Lord to say, By this shall all men know you are my disciples. Only possible by the Holy Spirit. Only possible when the presence of God from within is more real than our own life. Because without the Holy Spirit, you can't even be a child of God. I mean, Romans eight, you know, talks about that, and and I'm going to go on tomorrow. But there's just so much I want to, you know, I want to talk to you about. He says, "But you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, it that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of His. So we see very clearly." You can't even be a child of God without the Holy Spirit. But how do we surrender? I want to talk about that tomorrow because I've experienced that. Surrender is not something you can just say, I surrender all, yeah, you can sing it, you want it, but he works, the Lord works that surrender in us because we, we fail. We want to surrender, we cannot surrender. Only the reality of Jesus in our life will make it possible for us to surrender. Only his blessed, mighty presence that's more real than our own life. And when his presence becomes so real You surrender. And I can tell you this. He'll ask you to do things that your mind just doesn't want to hear. But he'll give you the strength to do it. He'll give you the ability to do it. I'll talk to you about that tomorrow because this is where real freedom comes. Real freedom. Where we are free from the pain of rejection and the pain of life. And the bitterness of life. Dear Jesus, I thank you for your word. Show everyone, Lord, what it means to live in you. Not just you in us, but we in you. We give you all the praise and the glory. Let your presence become so tangible that not one of us will fail. I give you praise. Meet every need, dear Jesus, every need. Amen. All right, it's time to give to the Lord's work. And I ask you to give because the Bible says that's just God's law. That's his command. And Paul said, if you are receiving spiritual life and truth, it is our duty to give of our money so we can keep the ministry going and people's lives blessed around the world. So you can sow your seed now by going to the platform you're watching me on. You can go to our website, Benny or you can simply text BHM four, five, seven, seven, seven. And no one who loves Jesus will ever hold back. Loving the Lord, that we manifest our love by doing. Because love is giving and giving is loving. Love is something we do, not something we say. So Paul says, prove your love. In 2 Corinthians 8, when he talks about giving. So giving says, Jesus, I love you and I trust you. With my future, financially, and my family's finance, I trust you, Lord, that you'll never let me down. Amen. Be blessed today. Lord, bless them as they give and sow that seed in Jesus' holy name. Amen. And make sure to get Mysteries of the Anointing. It's it's already a bestseller. It's already a bestseller on Amazon. This book will change your life. Think about this. Four to eight years of learning the anointing is all in this book. The dangers, the ups and downs, that's why I call it mysteries. I'm getting reports of people telling me, and a lot of preachers, they say, I can't put it down because it really captures you. Make sure to get this sold everywhere. All right, much love. I'll see you tomorrow as we continue this teaching, life in Christ Jesus. I'll see you tomorrow.